Hey everybody, this is Nate Smoyer, and you're listening to the Tech Nest Podcast. This is the show where we sit down with the leaders in real estate and technology to find out what they're doing to transform the way we buy, sell, and invest in real estate. If you've got an interest in real estate and technology, stick around. You're in the right place. What's up, everybody? I'm so pumped for this episode. We got Pat Kinsel from a company called Notarize. They are a 24-7 notary. So anything you ever need notarized, you need it legalized, contracts on around, whatever you need, they can take care of it any time of the week. And they've got some really interesting products that they're working on that are specific to real estate. When you think about it, this can dramatically increase the speed that we do business. And so uh, I think it's worthwhile uh, finding out what they're doing, what they're working on. So kick back, relax, enjoy the show. Well, hey, Pat, welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me. It's great to chat. Yeah, I, I really appreciate you taking the time. I know that uh, you're in a, a ski lodge or ski cabin right now. Yeah, I'm in Sun Valley, Idaho with my family. And we, uh, we're in a 1970s style, you know, ski chalet with a sketchy mm. hot tub. So. All that wood paneling. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, uh, I appreciate you taking the time to come on the show here. Uh, I think what you guys are doing pretty interest- is pretty interesting, and I don't want to spoil it. I- I'd rather let you do that. So why don't you, uh, we'll get started. Uh, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, let everyone know who you are and what you do. Sure. So uh, uh, Pat Kinsell, I'm the founder and CEO of a company called Notarize, and we do that uh, just online over the internet. And so we're the first company that's got a service that's online 24-7 to connect with a notary, uh, get any document notarized in a couple minutes. And on top of that, we've built the first platform to buy or sell a home or execute a mortgage entirely online. Wow. Okay. So there's a lot that we are going to unpack in there, um, or at least as much as we can, because we're going to probably stick to just about under an hour here. But, uh, but before we get into discussing all the details of Notarize, you know, I, I did a little bit of homework. And over the years, you founded quite a few different uh, companies. Uh, you've been a part of quite a few things. You still have some roles in, in other areas, it looks like. Can you walk me through the path that led you to founding and starting Notarize? Yeah. I mean, I have a passion for notarized documents. What can I say? (laughs) Um, No. So um, I'm not sure how far back to start, but I, I have attempted to start a couple companies to varying degrees of success. I, I had a business that I started um, almost 15 years ago now that, that didn't succeed. I joined Microsoft after that. Um, I worked in a group at Microsoft that was all about, um, it was called intrapreneurship, this idea that you would start new business lines inside the company, you would test them, you'd bring them to market. You know, the thought that a big business line wouldn't disrupt themselves, isn't it better to do that inside the company anyway, within adjacent group? So I built two products in that group. One was a part of Bing. Um, it was Bing Social Search. And the other mm-hmm. was something called Docs.com, which was really, a, you know, an integration of the Microsoft Office Suite online with Facebook. And that was announced by Facebook at their big conference and, wow. and then ultimately got killed. Um, and then from there I left and started another company called Spindle. It was a search business, which I sold to Twitter in 2013. And that's actually the genesis for this company. So I sold Spindle to Twitter in the back of a taxi cab in Korea um, <laughs> using DocuSign. 
So I was over there for work and I remember driving, you know, around in the back of the taxi and I signed all the documents, no big deal. I'm done. And I returned and there was finally a document that needed to be notarized. And so I had to come home or I had to wait till I got home and I go into the UPS store and I get this thing notarized. I sent it off to Morgan Stanley. I end up getting a call and they say, Hey, congratulations. You know, it's all successful, but this document was invalid. And so we need you to either go, go get this re-executed or go find the person. We're going to FedEx it back to you. You're going to go find the guy and fix it and FedEx it back to us. And I just thought this is ridiculous. Um, and so especially, you know, every document for the company was signed electronically, all the funding documents, the incorporation documents, the employment agreements, and then the sale. And then finally this one, you know, notarized document screwed up the whole thing. So that was, that was the genesis of mm. me going out and saying, there's got to be a better way to notarize documents. That's a hilarious story. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I feel like, was this, a, so was it a search, social search? Yeah, social search, yeah. I remember when that was a big deal. Yeah, I know. Uh, because I, I loved it. I loved the idea of social search. There was a few search engines that popped up out of that. And they quickly got shut down. Um, I think there was some privacy issues and all kinds of issues that came up out of that. But for the time that they were around, oh man, that was awesome. You could find anything anyone was talking about on the internet at any time. Yeah, yeah for so us, cool. we focused on, um, on business content. So we didn't okay. have the, the privacy issues, but yes, I mean, they were, they were extraordinary. And I think <laughs> they'll come back. Yeah, uh, one day, one day they'll come back. So to, to summarize then, you know, what's really the, the big problem that you guys are aimed at solving with Notarize? Yeah. I mean, to be really transparent, I started the company because I thought it would be a fun project. So I went off and had this document notarized, griping, right? There's got to be a better way to do this. This is ridiculous. And if you go talk to people about, about notarized documents, everyone has a story, right? I drove around all night. Oh, the guy screwed it up, whatever it may be. And so yep. I just started to really hear a lot of different stories, realized the concept resonated I had a one-year-old child at the time, so a lot Makes of late it even more fun. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> a lot of late nights on the internet just researching, why do you get things notarized in the first place? Why does it have to be analog? Why can't it be digital? Okay, well, presence. You have to physically appear before someone. That's what the law is rooted in. Okay, well, Virginia. I found this one state that had passed a law um, saying you could establish presence by video call. Well, hmm. cool. You know, did I want to be the notary king of Virginia, basically? Um, and then I've started pushing on, could you do it nationally? So I started researching some of the laws about interstate recognition and finally convinced myself, cool, this would be a fun thing. And right. where I was in my own life, it made sense to do. So I, I decided to do it. And frankly, it wasn't until we launched the product that I appreciated the impact. We got inbound from one of the largest auto insurance companies, private wealth firms, mortgage lenders, title companies, go down the list. And we heard the same thing basically across all sectors time and time again. They would say, if you think it sucks to get something notarized, imagine managing that 10,000 or 100,000 times a year. Oof. And our entire business basically grinds to a halt the instant that there's a notarized you know, requirement. And so mm. the realization was really that, you know, as a company, yes, we do online notarization, but we represent you know, process automation or the digitization of a workflow. And what gets people so excited is it's not just what we do, 
it's then everything before and after can be digitized as well. So in private welfare forms, you know, the average return time takes 47 days and there's errors in as many as a third of the documents. You know, we now cut that down to same day with less than 1% errors, right? Wow. So it just, it just, that was what really struck me. Um, I can't say that I had this, you know, remarkable concept to go change these industries. I more, you know, followed a lead and had a, had a fun idea. And then the phone rang. I talk about this all the time, uh, you know, with, with friends of mine, because sometimes they think I'm crazy when I, you know, I think that's kind of a, a good trait of an entrepreneur when your friends think you're crazy. Um, but I talk about these like different things, kind of like what you're describing. Like you, you had a pain point. You said, this is ridiculous. Why isn't this, why is this problem so difficult? Whereas I think the common lens, like many of these other companies took it, well, this is the process and this is how we do it. And it's just the way it is. But it's those who are willing to challenge the idea and push into those pain points. You suddenly, I mean, if you're solving pain, someone's going to give you money for it. I mean, that's usually how it works. And it sounds like that's, you know, this is a common theme on the show we've had with many guests where they said, you know, as an investor or as a realtor, you know, I, I had this issue. I built a product just for myself, you know, just because we needed something. And turns out I wasn't the only one who was thinking the same way. Um, so it's, Yeah. I mean, I think especially in real estate, I mean, I've done the research. If you go back in time now for 10, 15 years, there's been articles about how this year is going to be the year that real estate transaction is digitized. Right. <laughs> and so it's not that there hasn't been desire. It's right. this long list of issues. Right. Yeah. And I think what's so interesting about what we do is we basically leapfrog the set of issues. Right. Um, you know, digital mortgage or digital real estate transactions have a lot of companies that spend a lot of money and they built basically tablet applications to go drive around. Mm. Think about the go to market there you know, the lender has to adopt the technology. The title company though has to be the ones that fulfill. So how, if you're a national lender, how do you get 10, 15, 20,000 title companies to go and do that, right? Right. And so it's not that people haven't wanted to do this. It's we've come along just with a different approach where we've said, you know, the rollout is quite simple. You do the integration and people connect online, right? Yeah. So it's, you know, our general counsel describes this as, you know, the ultimate idea whose time has just come. Right. And, um, <laughs> and it's been harder than that. We've had to go convince people, but, um, you know, it, it definitely seems like time. And, and to, to add to your point, you know, uh, uh at a few events this year that, I, that I've attended, I've also heard the, uh, the, this is the year, this is uh, literally those words were said, yeah. you know, this is the year, those who really can solve the transactional pain points are going to be breakouts. Um, yeah. and it's something that VCs are looking for at the moment. Um, well, not just GCs. I mean, it changes the whole, I mean, if you look at Realogy, for example, what they're doing yeah. now, you know, or if you look at what Redfin's doing or Zillow's doing, I mean, all these companies now are trying to connect the dots, mm -hmm. um, you know, from the moment that someone decides they want to look for a home to the moment that they want to buy it and close. And they're realizing that if they can actually connect those dots, it's such a transformational experience end to end that yep. Cost savings, efficiencies, time, yeah. Um, so you know, if you go listen to the earnings calls of any of these companies, it's what they're talking about. There's one sleeper. He, uh, they were on the show early in our first season. We had Chuck Hadmer. He's a co-founder with a company called One Rent, 
and other property management. You know, they have over a billion dollars in single family homes that they manage in their portfolio. But one of the services they're coming out with is they're giving those who rent from them a portion of their rent back towards their purchase through one room. I mean, it's a beautiful program. And I talked to Chuck about some of the other things that they're having the plans. It's just, like you said, the vertical integration, you're solving the pain points. You're making that transaction so much better. Um, it's, it, it is a big deal. Let's, let's shift a little bit here. So uh, obviously, you know, we covered the grounds a little bit about what Notarize is, but what are some of the specific services that you're offering that those working in real estate would want to know or should, should know about uh, most importantly? Yeah, sure. So maybe we'll start least complicated and go up. Um, <laughs> That's fine. Yeah. So we've got an iPhone app, uh, you know, Android app as well, um, or web, where anyone anywhere in the world can connect twenty four seven with a notary in less than thirty seconds as our average wait time. Wow. Uh, and if you've got a paper document, we've got scanning, whatever it may be. So point being, if you need to get something notarized, you can do it with us in a heartbeat. Uh, what you end up with at the end is a PDF copy that you can print, you can mail, whatever it may be. It looks exactly like a normal notarization. Um, we then have business tools to facilitate those transactions. So if you think about some of the popular e-signature services where you can create a transaction and send it out to someone else for them to execute it, we have those same capabilities. And so, you know, if you, um, you know, in some states, identity affidavits or survey affidavits, these are common forms for realtors in some states, right? Um, you can really easily, um, you know, upload a PDF document on our platform, send it out to someone else, get it executed and, and get it back. Um, and then we've got our, our platform for full real estate transactions. There's the dog. Uh, <laughs> but for full real estate transactions. And so it's um, dead simple to sign up to manage an online closing. Um, we work with most of the large title underwriters across the country. You put in a property address. Um, we'll tell you who's willing to ensure that transaction. Um, and you just send out a PDF document. You get it done in a couple minutes. It's, it's dead simple. That's a lot going on. Um, you guys are really doing a lot. So what, what, what is the result in the industry that you think will happen because of these changes of you know, streamlining and, and making it simple and you know, 24 seven, how, how's that really going to change the way business is done and business as usual in real estate? Yeah, I think for us on, on two fronts. So one, we, we have a separate set of products now we call Notarize Connect. And so, you know, what we've heard from everyone over the course of the last three years is while they like the, the efficiency, you know, the on-demand nature of the experience, they still want to be a part of it. And so we've really invested in that. And so for realtors in particular now, this Connect product, you basically get added as a contact on the transaction. And then at any point in time, hmm. you know, your, your buyer or seller has a question, they can just press a button right inside the platform and it'll dial your cell phone. And so, you know, if you're a realtor and you're out and about and, you know, you're showing someone another property, you can still be there for your other clients during the closing. And so I think it's a misconception that people have that because of the, you know, the digitization of these experiences, they're be cut out of them. You know, I think we very much recognize the role, you know, that realtors, you know, title agents or settlement agents play in these transactions. And, you know, people have questions. These are, these are complicated transactions. So I think, I think that's an important thing for people to understand is that platforms like ours are really investing in empowering them through that experience. Mm -hmm. The other thing from a, a, just a disruption or a change standpoint, we believe the instant mortgage and instant real estate transaction is, is here. Um, 
and we already have customers that are essentially doing it. And so well, what do you, what do you mean by instant mortgage? Cause I'm only familiar with an eight minute mortgage. Yeah. Eight minutes, six minutes, <laughs> six Four. minutes. Yeah. Is that all it takes? Yeah. Um, I mean, if you look at what companies like blend labs are doing, um, you know, so they now work with some of the largest mortgage lenders in the country, um, you know, bank and non-bank, they make it such that it's, it's virtually, you know, as automated as it, as it could be right now to apply for a mortgage, right? And so you walk into a property, you're interested in that property, you can very quickly authenticate mm-hmm. against your, your bank account, it pulls, you know, income history, all these things. So to get to the point where you can truly be um, underwritten for a mortgage instantly, right? Hmm. Um, the only reason why we're not there yet is just because of the, so the business process and some of the policies of these customers, but the software is already there. And then on the closing side, you know, we now are integrated um, in a lot of, you know, mortgage lenders and title companies directly, but also platforms like Resware, you know, for, for settlement agents and whatnot. And so the instant there's a clear to close, we can pull those documents and someone can click to connect immediately and close. Mm-hmm. And what's so impactful about that now is it changes the delivery of that mortgage into the secondary market. And so, you know, Redfin is a customer of ours. They posted the other day, they had a customer, I think, you know, connect with our notary at 2.30. And in less than two hours, that mortgage was already sold to a second market investor. The collateral was delivered. Um, And if you take that, if you take what Blend's doing, um, and also Fannie and Freddie now with, you know, the automated underwriting day one certainty, these programs where they basically make a purchase guarantee, mm-hmm. you know, the ability to walk into a property and say, Hey, I want to buy this. If, if a realtor, you know, there's nothing better than the cash offer, right? Um, well, the equivalent full price cash you know, offer. Yeah. Full price cash <laughs> offer. But the equivalent would be someone saying I can get, I can get funded and I can close today. Right. Wow. Uh, and that's, we, we think that's already here. Um, it's just about, you know, customers changing or par- our partners changing their business. That could really put a hurting on some of those companies that are betting on the, uh, we'll buy the house for you model. Yeah, yeah we've, we've thought about that. I, I actually don't know if I agree with that. Um, okay. Yeah. Walk, walk, it, hey, walk me through this because I, I would love to hear from your perspective on that. Yeah, I mean, we get asked that a lot. And I think, frankly, if you look at the equity markets, the vast majority of trades by volume are now software, right? They're algorithmic. Right. So if you have a market where people can, you know, purchase and or buy and sell instantly, you know, there will be companies that are using, you know, data and algorithms and software to make purchase, you know, decisions. Um, and I think that those companies, you know, will have advantages in some markets and not in others. And and I think that, you know, just because it's, it's possible, you know, I think the challenges that say an open door solves aren't just the liquidity. It's also the speed of the transaction, the fact that they're a willing buyer, right? Um, right. Home up for sale. Someone's still got to come in and they have to want to buy it. Right. Right. And so I think those companies will still thrive, but I think they're not going to necessarily be selling on speed to close. Yeah. Do you, do you, do you, uh, do you guys currently work with anyone in uh, iBuyer transactions? We do, yeah. So we have a specific uh, solution for iBuyers. Um, and what's interesting about those is, so we support um, cash transactions. We support um, refi, full purchase with both sides. The iBuyers are interesting because it's a company on one side, right? So we're, really, we're facilitating the 
the seller side transaction than the iBuyers purchasing it. So we've, we've changed our platform to support them. We have um, two customers in that space. Um, can you say who? I can't. <laughs> if, I, if I go down the list, can you just, uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'll just have you say no, and then I'll just look for tells in the way you say no. Um, I'm just kidding. That okay, that's pretty cool, and I think this is that's so interesting that you'd bring that up because you know I see it on the outside. You see i buyers. You just see company, lots of money coming in, buying cheap price. That's some of the times that, that's often the narrative that's talked about. But the ability to close consistently and fast—that's just not common. That's that's, that, that is not the status and that changes things. And, you know, um, that I've had discussions with people who have bought and sold to iBuyers. Uh, they, you know, they bought from and, and sold to, and they had nothing but nice things to say. Like they said, hey, it was great. It really worked for us. This was exactly what we wanted. We didn't want to go through the thing we went through the last two and three times we sold. Yeah, they, they knowingly took a price discount, right? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I think, you know, we're, Realtor's job is to go out and get the best deal possible, right? Yeah. Um, and then frankly, you know, I, I read something recently talking about the the hold that realtors have on the market and it was a disparaging comment saying that it's all because of, you know, the laws in place. And I, I disagree. I think it's because, you know, they are central to the transaction and they go get people the best deal possible. So, I mean, you tell me what's more important, you know, to get more seller business or, or buyer business, right? And in my opinion, it's, it's getting more, you know, seller business and that's built on reputation. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, we actually, I'm very long. A lot of the real estate companies, I think they've got a unique opportunity to verticalize, um, to still provide that valuable value. You mean the brokerages? Yeah. The brokerages. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. Appreciate that feedback. Um, one of the questions I want to ask you, this comes from, and this is actually the first time I'm mentioning it on this podcast, is the industry syndicate that you're, you're getting like insider info right now. <laughs> By the time this goes out, everyone's going to know about it. But industry syndicate is a collective of other real estate podcasters. Uh, it's our own media network. And so I asked them a few different questions uh, or I posted and asked if they wanted to ask you some questions. One of the oh. questions that came out, uh, there was some curiosity. Have you received any pushback from lenders or investors in using your platform or accepting any of your docs? Fantastic question. Um, people often, you know, say, oh, you guys are like Uber in the change that you're trying to affect. And I say, we couldn't be anything less like them. Um, and largely, you know, what they did is they went out and aggregated a lot of consumer demand and they went to regulators and they said, shove it, right? Um, we can't close a real estate transaction unless everyone agrees, right? And so mm -hmm. we as a company um, have very deliberately gone out and met with everyone, you know, at the national level, FHFA, HUD, CFPB, you know, um, we were able to go get the National Association of Secretaries of State. You know, they ran a stakeholder process that we were a part of. They've now come out and said that this is acceptable went into Fannie and Freddie, did exhaustive legal research and presented that to them on the acceptability. It's different on different states, but they're now both purchasing mortgages through our platform. You know, we work with um, most of the large title underwriters in varying states across the country, you know, mm -hmm. multiple servicers, you know, the whole ecosystem. 
And, you know, we've learned a lot along the way. What we've ultimately decided is it's not our decision where people will and will not, you know, participate in a platform like ours, but we will model that and let them make those decisions. And so, you know, a Fannie Mae will tell us, hey, we're now okay in, you know, Colorado. Okay, great. We'll turn that on, right? Mm. You can't create a transaction on our platform unless these participants are, are willing um, and are, you know, accepting of the documents. Outside of real estate, we do have people that, um, you know, just upload whatever and go and get it notarized. And so at the beginning of the history, uh, history of the company, we did have to deal with these things. Turns out these forms ultimately all go someplace. So we had a customer who sold a plane. Turns out that, you know, aviation title transfers go to the um, FAA, right? Um, Someone sold a boat, they go to the Coast Guard. Uh, You know, passport applications with the State Department. And so we've just systematically gone and engaged with all of them. You know, the State Department has now put out guidance to all the passport offices and embassies to accept documents from platforms like ours. Coast Guard has, I mean, they all have. And so it's, it's changed. We've been doing this for four years now. Um, you know, the acceptance has changed, but we're very, very deliberate about it. Oftentimes a, a title company or a lender will call us. We'll, we have a conversation about um, who their partners are. We engage in stakeholder meetings with their partners and we bring the whole ecosystem along. Um, so, yeah. Could you have picked a, a, a more complicated business? That sounds so no. difficult. No. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've been to, I think, it's more than 40 states. I don't exactly recall. And we've testified in most of the states across the country. Um, we wow. changed law now in eight states. Um, Texas was a watershed moment for us. We passed a law in Texas and we, you know, the Mortgage Bankers Association, American Land Title Association, I think Wells Fargo, you know, Quicken, First American, some others all signed on to the bill. And then since then, it's been held up as model legislation. The Council of State Governments, the Uniform Law Commission have all endorsed this model legislation. It's very wow. well very well considered. It's got consumer protection in it. It's got all sorts of things, um, wow. standards. And so just two weeks ago, Ohio, for example, changed the law. Um, there's more than 20 states this year with legislation pending. Um, you know, NAR just came out in support. Um, so it's... You know, frankly, we're at a point in the market where people get to decide if they want to be, you know, leaders or laggards, um, and people are making their own decisions, and that's fine. That's 100% true. I'm right there with you on that. Uh, You guys are true trailblazers. I want to move on to another question I got from the industry syndicate um, on blockchain. So there's been some discussion in multiple circles. Uh, We've had a company or two on the podcast talking about blockchain in the past. Um, are you guys working to incorporate or leverage blockchain technology at all? And do you see it having an impact on the real estate industry specifically in the transaction space? <laughs> For those only listening, you know, Pat's just smiling at me, not, uh, not wanting to give up an answer here. <laughs> no, I mean, blockchain will change things, but I don't know if it'll happen in my lifetime. You know, mm. I think, um, is it a compelling technology? Absolutely, yes. Um, you know, my background is in, in software. So I, I have a lot of interest 
in it as a technology. Um, I've also spent four years traveling the company, the country meeting with county clerks and with mortgage servicers and secondary market investors and warehouse lenders, right? And on and on and on. And I think frankly, um, most people who have a really exciting appreciation for um, what's possible with blockchain don't have a similar appreciation for the, the actual mortgage or real estate process, hmm. the stakeholders, their interests in, in those processes. So they don't, they don't have a strategy to affect ch the change, right? Ultimately, the notarized, we change the way the transaction is executed. But on the other side, everything's the same. We produce a PDF document you know, it's recorded with the same people through the same systems. We, we, you know, our documents get recorded through Simplifile, right? Hmm. They now have gotten 80% of the country to adopt e-recording, right? Um, all of those things need to go be updated and changed in order for blockchain to, to have an effect. So are we focused on blockchain? Yes. Um, and so for us, there's some really interesting applications. And so in a notarized, you get something notarized for three reasons. It's to ensure the person's properly identified, they're signing under their own free will, and it can be independently validated after the fact. So mm -hmm. blockchain is actually quite interesting for us in that third use case. Um, you know, when something gets notarized, there's a record. You know, it's, in the paper world, it's a little journal. In our world, it's a whole bunch of metadata. That could be put in the blockchain. When we pass... Uh, documents into the secondary market, there is a real need for data that goes alongside, uh, you know, that. And that's, again, the, a as the industry verticalizes for us to be able to take data from, you know, the point of sale system that someone used to apply for, you have to go get data from the realtor about the purchase and sale agreement, right? You have to go take that from all of the constituents. You have to package it into a bundle and deliver it into the secondary market alongside, yeah. you know, the promissory note and these other things. A lot of interesting applications for blockchain in that specific use case. Um, but, you know, for it to just completely replace the way that, you know, mortgage debt is assigned and transferred and properties are recorded. I mean, that's, it's a long, I think that's a long ways off. Long ways out. All right. Well, hopefully you have a long lifetime so that you can see it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like everything, it, you know, who knows, but, um, you know, I think, you know, there's a lot of people that need to be convinced. Yeah, I, I would agree. There, there's certainly going to be a tough uphill battle to getting to a tipping point. Yeah, there's a really interesting case, you know, MERS, if, you know, if people are familiar. So it's the Mortgage um, Electronic Registration System, and we integrate with MERS. And so MERS was something that they came up with. We have, we take, we have no credit for MERS. Um, consortium of banks and title companies for electronic mortgages that they would be registered. And, um, you know, they were sued by multiple states and counties across the country for the better part of 10 years, um, hmm. you know, and then ultimately prevailed. And so for us as a company, everything's about timing. Like those cases have now been settled. MERS is now accepted. And so that enables companies like us, but you know, in the blockchain space, they're, they're going to have similar issues if they actually try to change the, you know, the assignment of mortgage debt. Anyway. No, that's great. <laughs> I feel like we could go down a whole nother rabbit trail down that, yeah. but we'll, we'll pull it back here. So you talked about, um, you know, some legislation in different states and helping drive, um, you know, really progress legislation, which, you know, if after real estate, maybe the only final frontier 
uh, that needs to be disrupted with tech is maybe our government, but we'll go down that another day. Um, but curious, does that limit the markets you're in and uh, what markets are you serving in right now? Yeah, so for basic notarizations, we're in 49 states. Um, so those are- Which ones uh, you miss? So Iowa is the only state we don't operate in. Okay. And they just so happen to have a law um, that, you know, that specifically says that presence has to be physical. Um, hmm. So they have, yeah, it's in any case. Um, and then all other 49 states were, were actively serving customers uh, daily. And then in real estate, um, it depends on the partner that we have, you know, with, with Stuart Title, for example, we're in 22 states. Um, with others, um, you know, with Realogy, we're in, I believe, it's more than 35 states. Um, it's a lot of the key markets, you know, that people care about. Um, you know, we're not in New York, Massachusetts, some others like that, um, but we're in Washington. We've done a lot of transactions in Washington, you know, Texas, Florida, you know, a bunch of big states. Very cool. Um, so four years in business, you guys are 49 states. You've helped drive some legislation. Clearly, you've done a ton of research. Um, what would you attribute that growth to, though? I mean, because this is not the normal story for a lot of businesses. And, and then you guys even went further and like, were like, hey, what's the most complicated business we could think of? Um, <laughs> and you've gone after it. You know, you have to meet with government officials. I mean, there's nothing that could slow a tech company down faster than that. But what, what would you attribute your gro growth to? Yeah, I mean, it's commercial interest, period. Um, you know, it's the fact that within a week of launching the company, we got those phone calls from people saying, hey, if you can do this, um, you know, the first year we had, if you name a big brand in, in banking, financial services, or mortgage lending, they called us and um, we lost every one of those deals in compliance. They said, look, we want to do this. The question is whether or not it's legal. And so, right. you know, so we didn't on a whim go out and decide to go engage all these federal and state agencies. We did because we knew that on the other side of it, there was all this you know, commercial interest. And mm -hmm. then frankly, all of those, you know, would be and now actual partners um, have been engaged in that process. So, you know, we've gone into states and they say, does anyone care about this? That's typically the first question. And then we say, well, yes. You know, <laughs> I think in Maryland, you know, Bank of America wrote a letter in Texas, you know, Wells Fargo engaged. We've had Fidelity and First American engaged in all these states. You know, American Land Title Association, you know, more the Mortgage Bankers Association. Last year, you know, I went to one of their conferences for some of their key members and they give out this 200 page book and it says key issues. Number one, you know, is adoption of online <laughs> mortgage transactions. Right? Wow. So, um, you know, that's why it's been worth it. And that's why we've succeeded is these organizations have actually researched the issues and they realized it it's better for them too, right? Um, yeah. So we're not, we're not a company that's out trying to change this without support. That's so cool. Um, that shows the power in partnerships, which is I'm a, a big believer in, and a, a focus on the long term, which is um, I think what it, it helps businesses sustain over time, whether or not they see explosive growth or not. Um, is there anything that you guys have done or tried along the way though that has proven to be a failed experiment or wasn't the right direction. You kind of smirk up right away. There's got to be <laughs> something that comes to mind. Yeah. I mean, um, 
you know, ultimately it's behavior change, right? So we've got to go in and win a customer and then we've got to get them to try it. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, we started obviously very, very deferential to, you know, a lot of the, you know, title underwriters or regulators or whatnot. Um, and so put a lot of process in place, which then came to realize basically made it impossible to serve customers. So, you know, oftentimes the way we, you know, are contacted by a title company, it's because they have a specific transaction that they need support with. So suddenly their seller is traveling in Europe. It has to close. Right. They heard about us. They call us, hey, can we work with you? Um, and up until recently, we would basically say no, because we'd say, look, you have to go through this contracting process. You have to agree to all this, you know, legalese about risk and compliance. And then who's the title underwriter? Okay, you need to go call them and get added to a special program. And then they're going to make you sign a contract. And then guess what? The transaction, you know, right. we miss it. Uh, so we spent a lot of time with, you know, our partners to make it so it's one click. You know, people can just sign up um, and execute a transaction the same day. And then we launched a program called Closing Concierge. And so people can actually just email us um, and we'll take care of that first transaction for them. And for us, that's really the aha moment, you know, when people try it and then they just get their documents back and they're fully executed and, you know. Why would they ever go back? <laughs> yeah, a lot of that feedback. <laughs> that, that is awesome. I mean, I could tell you when I was a, a realtor, my biggest fear was the paperwork. Um, I could cold call all day long overdoing paperwork. There's no way in the world. I was just terrible at it. Uh, I admit that now freely, but I wouldn't then. But, you know, and, and when it was in the electronic form, though, it just, I felt so much more comfortable with it. And then the first time I was signing uh, documents and was sending them to a client, they were signing documents, but we were signing by cell phone. Yeah. That was, that was like the, why wouldn't everyone do this? This yeah. is, this is crazy. Like, yeah. why wouldn't well, everyone do this? Forget then you also don't have to return them afterward. It's done. It's just done. This whole fax machine thing. I had one, I remember one transaction where they kept sending fax machines. And I was like, my goodness, like, come on, man. You can't be doing all your transactions. Like you're making everything so much harder for me here. Like, <laughs> so, um, uh, just, that's so good. I, I love it. Um, I wanted to ask you about funding. So I know you guys have done a little bit of fundraising yourself, right? A little bit. And you know, the whole real estate tech space itself is being, uh, flooded, if you will. Um, there are VCs that are flush with cash trying to find, they, they can't find enough places to put it. What, what's your take on, um, first, why is the cash so readily available now for real estate tech? And then uh, because you've done some funding too, I'd I love to hear what you think is key uh, for those companies out there who are trying to raise money for their uh, real estate tech startup, what should they be doing to attract the right backers? Yeah, I think um, there's a perception that the real estate market is finally ready for technology, right? Um, and I think that's because other regulated industries have seen change. So transportation, you know, finally healthcare, whatnot. And so, hotels. Yeah, ho yeah, hotels. So, you know, people look at it and they go, okay, like, these industries can be cracked. You have got some companies that are having success. Um, and, you know, I think that that's changed a lot.
Yeah, so I think you've got companies like Blend Labs and others right now in the mortgage industry in particular. You've got non-bank lenders, which make different purchasing decisions. You know, you've got dot loops, you know, that have actually had traction with realtors. Um, I think the fintech markets, right? So I think a lot of people now view real estate opportunities more with the fintech lens, right? Mm -hmm. So you're sitting here saying, it's not just about workflow, you know, or automation. It's actually changing the the fundamental economics of some of these transactions. Um, so I think I think people's perception that this can be addressed, that more can be changed than initially thought, um, is what's really leading to a lot of excitement in the marketplace. I think there's some demographic changes, right? So I'm not going to rattle off the numbers, but you know, average age of realtors is older, right? It's an older demographic. Mm-hmm. There's now finally a younger set of really productive realtors in the market, right? Um, and I think that that changes the distribution. There are new entrants in terms of brokerages, right? That are more technology forward. Um, the big guys are also now talking all about technology, right? Um, it's how they're differentiating themselves as, as you know, competitors in the market. So I think yeah. that, you know, that's all changing. Um, you know, I also think that, um, you know, there's a herd mentality to some venture guys or, or women. So they're, you know, the Russian where people have seen success. Hmm. Yeah, I, I would, uh, I would agree to that last point too. Uh, there's, it does feel like there's a lot of people rushing to not be late, to not miss out. Um, but have we really uh, disrupted anything yet? Have we really challenged or changed anything yet? I think we're on the cusp of a lot of big changes, but a lot of them yet to come fully through to fruition. Well, with that, we're going to transition. We're going to move into my favorite segment. Uh oh. <laughs> we're going to play a game that's called For the Future. Okay. For the Future is a segment where I get to ask each guest who comes on the show to give their best predictions based on the following four questions. Pat, are you ready to play? I'm ready to play. All right. Question number one. <laughs> What's that? Is there a What's prize? That? Yeah, you, win, you do win a prize. Okay. I'll tell you at the end. <laughs> Question number one. Uh, what does Notarize look like one year from now? Yeah, in one year, uh, we hope to be doing tens of thousands of transactions a month. Um, and with our current customers, we're on pace to do that. Also, in one year, uh, we will transform how buyer sellers understand the actual process of the transaction. Mm. That is a deep goal. Yeah, we're going to do like it. I like that. Question number two What will the housing market look like one year from now? Crystal ball moment. Don't worry, we're only recording you, so we're going to hold you yeah. to it. Yeah. I actually have a contrarian bet. Which is, I actually think that the banks might have a resurgence in the mortgage market in particular. Keep going. I don't know if it'll be within the next year, but I think that if you really change the economics of the real estate transaction, you know, cutting um, the transaction time down, it's to the advantage of people who have capital. Hmm. Uh, they're not going to have to borrow. They can fund their own mortgages. And so I think that the banks, also on the, on the underwriting side, they have a relationship with the customer so they can make faster underwriting decisions. Mm-hmm. I think that that's a contrarian view, but that's I'm going to put it out there. 
I love that you're willing to put it out there. We'll see. Just jump yeah. out in that middle of that ocean. There you go. <laughs> uh, question number three, when do you think the next big boom or bust will happen in real estate? I think it's a couple of years out. Either I don't know if it's positive or negative, but I actually think that um, I don't foresee any any large market correction or dramatic you know upswing in the next couple of years. I think we're in a pretty steady state. Pump the brakes. Okay, that is that's honestly I think that's one of the first times anyone's come on the show and said that one recently. Well, you think we're you think there's a correction coming? Well, I think depending on how you define correction and coming, uh, you know, Seattle has three times the inventory it had this time last year. Um, you know, if you go from a. Yeah. But so, but does that mean that, that prices will fall dramatically or does it mean just that, you know, transaction volumes might go down? Right? Yeah. So, I, I, I think people out of business, but. So if we're going to my point of view on this one, yeah, I, I think what we're, we're going to go into is a dramatic slow. Um, but yeah, I agree with that. It's going to be, it's such a change that you have to, in my opinion, you have to refer to it as a correction, but it's not a correction as in a crash. It's a correction yeah. that is, it normalizes, it stabilizes. And if we hit five to six month inventory, which are numbers that are totally abstract to every first time home buyer in the last three or four years, they're not used to those numbers. Like that doesn't make any sense. Why would a house be on the market for six months? Yep. You know? And so, and so that market and other people who forget prior to, you know, the, the way market is now that you can have homes on the market for six months and it can be relatively normal and that's not totally crazy. So I think we could reach that place in some markets. Um, and well, that's I what I would Boston. say. Then. What's and that? I live in Boston. Okay. And, you know, in the community that I'm in, it's been for the past several years that a home goes on the market and it sells in a day. Yes. And that's obviously not sustainable. No. Um, and, but I, on the flip side, I think about, you know, the fundamentals of that market and they own my own home. And I don't see there being a large correction in terms of value or price. Right? Yeah. Um, and I think that's true of a lot of markets across the country. I don't know about, you know, I'm not going to comment on a Phoenix or a Vegas or something like that. That's not my expertise, but Fair enough. I just, I don't see there being a large correction in terms of home values. Um, yeah. You know, maybe that's wishful thinking. The other thing for us that's really interesting and I'm going to go off on a tangent here. Sorry. Is go for uh, it. as a business, what I've been told for years is that when we will take off is actually in a purchase market and in particularly in a more difficult purchase market hmm. Because, you know, a lot of mortgage lenders and title companies in a refi market, they don't care about customer experience or process efficiency, right? And now, you know, if you go look at people's advertising or their statements, it's all about getting costs down, right? Um, in order for profitability, you know, suppress margins and whatnot, and, and customer experience. And we're now seeing that. We're getting calls mm -hmm. from, you know, mortgage lenders and big title companies saying, hey, like, I have to find a way to save costs. You know, I've been told e-mortgage is the way to do it. What can you do for me, right? Um, Interesting. So it's, in some ways, of course, you're never going to be excited about a down market. I don't mean to simplify that at all. But in some ways, for us as a business, we've, you know, there's some some positives that are being a 
whether it's a correction or whatever term you want to use. Yeah. Yeah. The current state of affairs. Yeah. I also think that depends on how much cash you have on hand going into a down market, whether or not you're excited. Um, But that's a different show. All right. We're going to transition off that tangent. Question number four, the final of for the future. What's one thing you believe would dramatically change or fade away in real estate as a result of technological advances? What was the first part? We meant dramatically change which? Uh, what's one thing you believe will dramatically change or fade away in real estate as a result of technological advances? Home appraisals. Whoa. Who's going to tell you what the house is worth? Software. All right. That's what Open Door is doing. They don't go visit it. Yeah. I'm all in on uh, home appraisals. Man, I, I love it. You're, you're bold. You're going for it. It's so good. Yeah, what, have you, uh, what else have you gotten on that one? Uh, well, we've got, you know, so interestingly enough, uh, as a, a self-learner in psychology, I, I believe that one of the, a lot of people answer this question through their own lens of their business. Of course. Interests. So we, we I actually have no business had, interest in home appraisals. That doesn't affect my business at all. But I right. So that's why I thought it was so interesting because you went totally outside the bounds of what I'm expecting. Yeah. Um, you know, when, when companies are focused on home rentals, they talk about uh, property uh, tech and rental tech. Um, we had a company, uh, Real Quantum. They do, um, it's a commercial appraisal software. And um, they, they make the business of doing commercial appraisals much smarter. And, uh, you know, they, they had some, uh, they, they brought up a few different things that were in the commercial space. So I think it's, yeah, you know, I mean, Fannie and Freddie now they'll give appraisal waivers, right? Mm-hmm. And then, um, there's yeah. limits on that, right? Oh, there are limits and what, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. you know, the point being, if you go and you hang out with a bunch of, you know, mortgage bankers or other folks, they'll tell you that one of the biggest problems in the market now is home appraisals, right? And mm. that it's a trade and it's not that I think that if, if that it was a fully, um, you know, employed market, whatever the phrasing is, that um, it wouldn't be an issue. But it's a right. skilled trade, often with an apprentice-style um, educational model. Yeah, there aren't people signing up to do it, and as a result, there aren't enough home appraisers, appraisers, and that's a problem. So, and and you know what? Uh, I, I'm going to insert my own story. I know this show isn't about me, but I'm going to insert my own story here. You know, being a salesman being a marketer, understanding psychology. When I was doing my refinance, I absolutely leveraged every trick I could and everything I could to get a higher number. I had cookies literally coming out of the oven the moment the appraiser knocked on the door to do the walkthrough because I wanted her to walk through and just smell fresh baked cookies. I had low scent candles in particular places. I had the lighting worked in rooms that I knew was optimal for lighting, you know, it was freshly cleaned and vacuumed. And then as she's doing the tour, I said to her, man, you could imagine this place when I bought it. It was four pizza delivery guys living here. Just think about what it looked like. (laughs) Now we put paint on the wall. That's all we did. And in less than a year's time, we had $50,000 in equity. I mean, I know the market was appreciating, but not 25%. It just wasn't going that fast. And so, um, you know, and before she left, I, I said to her, I said, so what do you think it's worth? And I knew she couldn't tell me. And she goes, oh, I'm not so sure. And this is where I leveraged a little bit of price anchoring. I said, do you think it's like, I don't know, 300, 310, 315? 
Now, I knew that 300 was more than I needed, and I knew that it was more than it was actually worth, but I knew that that was the lowest option I gave her. What do you think came back on my appraisal? 310. 300. Yeah, there you go. Right on the button. I'm like, God, that's crazy because I had no experience in appraising properties prior to this. So, uh, it's an interesting industry. I know people will say that people are necessary because you have to see the home and nuances, but you know what? You can impact by thousands of dollars, by the smell of cookies, by shallow paint on the wall and a little yeah. bit of price anchoring. Yeah, and I don't mean to imply at all that software can do a better job. Sure. Right. I'm more, I'm more mean to say that in people's risk models, you know, it's a commercial decision. They made it decide, you know what? Yep we're willing in certain circumstances to not require it. And I uh, look, there you go. That's my fourth prediction. All right, there it is. We'll wrap it up with that. We're going to move into the last, the final three questions. Pat, these are focused a little bit more on you. Uh, so people can get to know you a little bit better and understand you. Uh, first one is, what are you currently reading? What am I currently reading? Um, we read a book at, at, as a company recently, Radical Candor. That's the most recent book I read. Ooh, that's new to me. Yeah, it's about um, just direct feedback um, and how as a, as a company and a culture, if you can adopt that, then it makes difficult conversations easier and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Awesome. Question number two, who are you learning from? Who am I learning from? It's a fantastic question. Um, like as a mentor. I'll let you interpret it. <laughs> Um, fine. I'll say these days I'm learning from the old guard. Hmm. Yeah. You know, we, we as a, a company, um, and I mean that with the most respect possible, you know, we as a company, um, do something that people said couldn't be done. They said, we hear so many times, Oh, you don't understand real estate's local. I understand that that may work over there. It's never going to work here. Right. Um, I've heard that now 5 billion times. Um, and ultimately as a company, we went from trying to just convince everyone that they were wrong to saying, you know what, let's just appreciate that. Let's understand why it's different and unique hmm. and let's build a platform that can actually model that, that complexity and how people prefer to do business. You know, the, the, my last company, I was in San Francisco constantly. I'm now in Pittsburgh. I'm in Dallas. I'm in, in Jersey. You know, these are the places Oof. I've gone. I spent the better part of three days driving around in Pittsburgh with a bunch of guys, I think the average age was 75, you know, going around meeting, you know, people who really built the title industry we have today. I've learned so much from, I'll say the old guard. Um, and what's amazing is a lot of them are, are massive advocates for change. Um, and so it's really, a, it's a lot of fun. I bring my energy and excitement. They bring theirs. Um, yeah. That's awesome. The final one here, uh, what inspires or what keeps you inspired? I want to build something that stands the test of time. So mm -hmm. I have, I've built a lot of, or been a part of building a lot of great things. They've all been killed. Um, you know, Microsoft, the thing I built docs.com, Mark Zuckerberg got up on stage at their conference and announced it as the massive partnership between Microsoft and Facebook was killed. You know, my search business that I sold to Twitter, they use it for some stuff. I think at the World Cup, they used it, but it, it's not what we wanted to be. So when I, when I think about this company, you know, I want to be the people who in 
two years, three years, you talk to someone, hey, how'd you buy your house? They go, oh, on my iPhone, uh, which we already support. We got people doing it. Wow. And we say, hey, did you know that back in the day, you know, blah, 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 <laughs> I'll go, that is nuts. So I want to be the people that do that. Um, so that's what keeps me going. That's awesome. I'm going to adjust my uh, source of inspiration to being the guy that had Pat on a podcast that introduced the biggest influencers and leaders in real estate tech to adopt Notarize. <laughs> there you go. Um, we're going we're gonna to wrap it up. Pat, I, th- this has been awesome. Um, I, I think what's so cool, what, what I really like about you guys, I, and I think the, what you guys are reading actually solidified everything for me, you know, reading a book about being radically candid um, speaks to the culture of what you're trying to accomplish. Clearly it's a complicated business, um, but I, I love it. It's, it's audacious. Um, and uh, I think it's timely. I think people are ready for it and we're just waiting for, you know, just waiting for you to come along and, and make it happen. So I really appreciate your time and sharing um, before we head out, how can people connect with you and how can they learn more about what you're doing at Notarize? Yeah. So my, my email is pat at notarize.com. Um, you know, our website is notarized.com. Uh, we've got, you know, lots of ways to get in touch with us. You know, your comment is, you know, people waiting for us, you know, we're at the point now where for this to be successful, we need partners, you know, we need markets where they've got a local title company or mortgage lender or real estate, you know, company that wants to really embrace this. And that's where we've seen success down in Florida, a partner of ours, Florida agency network, you know, they went out and they found a, you know, a, you know, independent mortgage broker and they're, they run this as a program and it's, it's fantastic down there. And so in the Seattle market, you know, we just need people that want to raise their hand. And so we've got programs where we, you know, take people through training, you know, do all sorts of things. Um, And so really now it's about, it's about other people deciding that they want to do this. We'll continue to make it easier. Um, we'll continue to integrate into systems so that it's one click. Um, but, uh, yeah, we're at the point where we need customers. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Well, Pat, thank you so much for your time. Um, I I think absolutely, uh, I want to let you know the invitation stands. We got to have you back on the show at another point and we can go down some of those, uh, rabbit holes, see what the progression is like and, uh, maybe we can go a little bit more into the, I think it would be so fascinating to talk more about working alongside government and government agencies. Cause that has got to be something that as FinTech and real estate tech companies try to evolve and change processes, they're going to be hitting up against. And so you might have a lot of, I think, uh, wisdom and, and to, and knowledge to share on that. But until then, um, uh, this has been great and, uh, hope that we can catch up soon. All right. Well, I appreciate the time. Yeah, thanks so much, Pat. Well, that's it for today. Thanks so much for listening to the TechNest podcast. Hey, don't forget, you can get on the email list. You never miss an upcoming episode. That's technest.io. That's T-E-C-H-N-E-S-T dot I-O. Get on the email list. Uh, Go to the App Store, whether you found us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you found us. Leave us a five-star review and share it with your friends. And if you've got a guest or someone that you'd like to recommend, or if you think that you'd be a great guest on the show, hey, send me an email, nate at realteampanda.com. That's nate at realteampanda.com.
SealTeamPanda.com. See you guys later.